I really believe you don't have to be a bully and a bitch. <laughs> I've worked for both. <laughs> and I don't believe that like a bitch or a bully gets any more results than somebody that approaches them nicely, kindly, obviously still getting the work done. Trials, tribulations, mistakes, barriers, successes, and failures. Hear it here firsthand from those that have grown billion-dollar businesses to those that are just starting out. Winner of the Campaign Publishing Award for Best Business Podcast in the UK, Successes in the Mind is the only place where you can get a sense of business reality in a world full of idealism. Everyone claims to be an entrepreneur, but can everyone live up to the title? What does it take to start a business, to get your product into a high street store, or grow a well-managed team? I'm Oliver Bruce, founder and entrepreneur myself. Join me as I interview business leaders and founders from across the globe, delving into what makes them tick, their differentiators and intrinsic motivators. This is Success is in the Mind. Success is in the Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. On today's show, we've husband and wife duo and founders of the much-loved brand Dr. Pawpaw. Founded in 2013 when Johnny and Pauline Patterson's daughter was diagnosed with eczema, the business has both ethical, moral and health benefits, which might go some way to explaining the success of the brand over the last eight years. Stocked in high street stores such as Boots, Waitrose, Sainsbury's Superdrug and New Look, I ask how hard is it to bring a skincare product to market, has the death of the high street impacted sales, and how do you go from a full-time job to starting your own skincare product so successfully? Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny and Pauline Patterson. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. Johnny, before we get into the actual podcast, I just want to say congratulations for running the London Marathon last week. What time did you do that in? Well, it was five hours in the end. I had planned for four and a half hours, but I actually had a stinking head cold uh, before the, the race. And so I actually had to run it on paracetamol and stuff. I've still got a little bit of it now. It's going around. I think with us all coming finally out, the, the actual normal colds are spreading. But uh, yeah, five hours I did it in. Five hours. Is that your first marathon? It was my first. Uh, it might be my last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at 39 years old, so I've decided to do something like that. But yeah, I ran for the Teenage Cancer Trust and... Uh, it, it, as you'll probably find out, we're big supporters of them, so it was it was great to do something so positive. A hundred percent, and well and well done on that one. And again, another first. You're the first husband and wife duo to join us on this podcast. Oh. So how long after you first met did you get married? You got married in 2010, I believe. Yes, he made me wait seven years. Seven years. We were together. We were living together. Seven years he made me wait before he put a ring on this finger. It's good to be sure, but look at that. I mean, the the business has only been going eight years and, and seems to be going equally as well. And we'll get on to, to more about Dr. Paul later on. But in terms of how you two you two met, because you were pulled apart in terms of industry. I mean, Johnny, you, you were working at your, your parents' company, Catalyst PR. And again, Pauline, you were working for Waller at the time as an account technician. Now, how did you guys meet? So, yeah, I was working in a, a PR agency, but we were doing PR for hair and beauty brands and hairdressers. And there is like a, a, an annual uh, event that happens in uh, British in the British hairdressing calendar called the British Hairdressing Awards. Uh, it's They call it the Oscars of the hairdressing industry, and it certainly is. Uh, it's at the end of every November at the Grosvenor House. Oh, I know the Grosvenor House. 
Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Two and a half thousand crazy hairdressers uh, attend this event. And uh, obviously crazy because obviously they've got so much enthusiasm for their industry. And yeah, I was on a table, Pauline obviously on another table as part of uh, her background. And, you know, we cross eyes and met and uh, took it from there, really. <laughs> well, a friend, we, a friend introduced we us. We didn't have cross eyed. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. just how much it consumed to make you cross eyed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Looking back, Johnny, again at your parents' business, they obviously introduced you to the world of PR, the world of marketing. They had Catalyst PR when you were younger. You you joined that business as as MD. How important to where Dr. Porpor is today and your business acumen currently stands, was it working for your parents from such a young age? It was absolutely everything. My chosen career was to be a singer-songwriter. I, I, I had really wanted to get into that. And as my dad was supporting me, my, my mother and my father were supporting me by doing music lessons in, in, in London. But he said in the in-between time, well, you need to earn some money, son, as he, as he would say. And so I started basically as an office junior. And then I just built up uh, through that but I everything that I know about business marketing sales accounting comes from my uh, parents so uh, without them I definitely wouldn't have created Dr. Paul Paul with Pauline. And Pauline what was it like for you when, when obviously you jumped ship from Waller and actually went right that's it going to sack the day job off and going to go fully self-employed and be a parent at the same time? Well, yeah. So I think I think I definitely got um, the urge was after we did have our first daughter, Jasmine, um, I did go back to work um, full time in exactly the same position that I left with, obviously, you know, sort of being a young 30 year old without the commitments of a child. And unfortunately, they didn't really offer me any kind of relief or any kind of, you know, adaption to my role. They expected me to still work as late, obviously, you know, be on time and be as dedicated, which I was because I absolutely loved my career before I left. But having a young baby and dropping her off into childcare, because again, all my family was in Australia, so we didn't have a set of grandparents. Johnny's parents were still working full time as well. So, you know, we literally had to do paid childcare. And I was dropping uh, Jasmine off at 7 a.m. in the morning and not picking her up till 6 p.m. if I was on time, which sometimes obviously weren't because I was in a meeting and I was running over or London traffic. And Johnny would have to go and get her at six o'clock and kind of throw everything up. And, you know, we were doing that more often than we weren't. So then and that's sort of when she started developing the eczema. So we started getting the idea of this product. But we always thought I would just do it on the side and maybe I could go part time or something like that. But then actually, I I remember one of the original reasons that we wanted to do is to create enough financial wealth for us just for Pauline to be able to fly back to uh, Australia whenever she she wanted to. So that that was another reason why we started the the business. I think the the times that you had at Weller and the company that they, they were it was just of the time you know they weren't flexible with their their hours because that was it i mean the the, the world's changed especially after the pandemic <laughs> you know yeah. you know this flexi working from home time etc everything's really has changed so it was of its time at, at weller at the time going back to that illusion earlier about the seven years before you asked pauline to marry you you actually had dr Paul for all of seven years before you decided to jump ship fully from uh from catalyst pr what was the reason for for again using the number seven there 
Honestly, we were in the, the middle of last year's pandemic. One business, Dr. Pawpaw, was really taking off strangely through such a crazy time. And the other business was still performing. But I think what you know the pandemic has taught many of us is to A, focus, remember what's so important. And for me, family life and you know, my own happiness was actually quite important. And I felt I loved doing the, the, the job, but through the pandemic, it was particularly hard to be running both businesses, managing, you know, basically 30 employees who had their own uh, their own anxieties, their own stresses uh, through it. And so, so, so the decision just came clear, that, you know, focus on one thing, get some of your life back, relax a little and, and continue to grow Dr. Paul Paul. So, you know, uh, I just want to say, I mean, obviously we've incredibly grateful to all our catalyst clients because we actually finished in december last year with a full roster they didn't leave it was our choice we said that we wanted to close up at the end of the year and and they all stayed with us so we're always incredibly grateful to them and for all the support they showed me and my family and johnny you say you, you closed up at the end of the year did you completely wrap the business up you didn't sell it you didn't do anything along those lines you just simply dissolved it and that was it yeah we dissolved it so many people have said to me why don't you try and sell it it had such a reputable name 22 years in business but the business was my parents and I. It's a bit like a hairdressing salon. People go to the hairdressers because there's a particular name that's running it and people love them for that. It's quite hard to pass that on. People always still wanted to talk to myself or my parents when it came to the business. So it, it, let me put it like this. If we tried to sell it on to someone, probably the client roster would have left immediately. So where's the value in the business? Sure. And again, going along the line of themes in this podcast, it seems another first is you'd be one of the first people in that case to have fully dissolved a business and jumped into a to a second one. You founded Dr. Porple back in 2013 when your daughter was diagnosed with eczema. How did you turn an essential disaster into such a success? Because, you know, being faced with that, most people would just kind of batten the hatches and uh, and not start a business. Um, yeah, so really what happened was when Jasmine got eczema, we tried everything that was, you know, recommended on shelf and, and even from the doctors. And it got to the point that the doctors sort of said, well, actually, if nothing else is working, then you have to start using steroid cream. We really didn't want to put steroid cream on a nine-month-old baby. So we started to look down to the more natural alternative route. And me being um, from Australia and growing up, growing up in Australia, we knew the wonders of the ingredient, the pawpaw fruit, which over here is more commonly known as the papaya fruit. But basically, the pawpaw fruit has exactly the same qualities as aloe vera. So if you think about aloe vera, it's soothing, it's anti-inflammatory, it's antibacterial, it's hydrating, you know, it's all of those things. So I had an Australian pawpaw balm in my house and I just started using it on it and it actually worked. And we were like, oh my God, out of everything else, nothing else would work except for this. So we tried to bring some of the uh, Australian companies over, but they didn't want to export. Like mm -hmm. they literally would say, and I'm like, but I'm Australian, sell it to me. And they were like, no, no, we don't want to go to Europe. We don't want to do this. So then that's when we decided it's like, well, this is just too good to be true, like too good, you know, for a result. So we um, decided to make it um, ourselves. So we went to a contract manufacturer here in the UK, started making samples. I told them everything I wanted in the product, everything I didn't want, because then we had a long list. And then we kind of went to market really with just one skew with, what, 10,000 units we right. had to buy at the start and yeah we sold them a lot quicker than we ever would have thought and 
had to put in our second order fairly quickly. It's not cheap to bring a product such as the one that you've got to market. There's obviously the formulas, there's the research, there's the marketing, as Johnny knows only too well. Pauline, how did you actually generate the seed capital to, to, to bring this product to market? We begged, borrowed, and stole. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we had to use a lot of our savings. We did we did borrow some money, you know, which we then obviously paid back. And we did actually have two sort of small investors, yeah, small yeah. investors that were kind of like close friends and colleagues. So nothing, you know, major and not with an ulterior motive. But we did start the business on just twenty grand, mm-hmm. that, and that that was all in setting up the business, buying the first ten thousand units. Um, and of course, then at that time, we didn't get a very good price because we were only buying small quantities. Yeah. So 100%. very quickly when we started upping our quantities, we started getting a better price. And, and Johnny, you, you famously said that, that marketing is just as important, if not more important than the value of the product itself. That's a direct um, quote. Now, all businesses and all brands, you also say, should have a marketing strategy and a budget to back that up. Now, what did you do from Catalyst point of view? But how did you also market your brand in the early days? I- I knew all the quick tricks and cheap tricks, if you like, to to build this brand with very little money. I have the PR knowledge. And again, going back to my parents giving me this, this is why we can do what we do. So uh, we give as much product as we can away to the right uh, opportunities. And we did that from the start. So we would send out a, a press mailing to every blogger and influencer and magazine and newspaper every single month for I think it was one to two years and we would do the same with the buyers too so just start to build this recognition uh, of our brand we gave the product to makeup artists Mm. and makeup artists are like the best advocates for brand because they're on sets they're talking about you and then the next thing is you have celebrities talking about you so that was uh, really really important and then at the time and we were very lucky to have this. And I still say it's one of the best benefits that we had compared to in the past. We had social media. Facebook, I think, was born in 2006, 2007. I might have got my years wrong then. But I managed to learn how to do Facebook advertising in 2008. So this was when you could put a post up on Facebook and people outside of your audience would see it, which was incredible. <laughs> but then I could then also put, £100 behind an advert and 2,500 people would see it. If I was buying an advert in Vogue at the time, it would cost me 10, 20,000 pounds. I put 10,000 onto Facebook and a million people would see my ad. So I we just threw ourselves into Facebook advertising, then became Instagram advertising. But yeah, just a quick recap. It was regular mailings, finding advocates, and then social media, which still dominates today it's just finding the right channel i mean we've moved off from facebook but then we moved on to instagram yeah. and now we're working really hard on tiktok and tiktok's a huge one but you kindly sent some products before this this episode to to our office yeah. and, uh, and actually the the guys in the office who are fans of your product did a bit of testing for us and they said dr paul's products were super slick they said they were super hydrating it does it all seven in one hair treatment styler i love this balm great for everyday use very subtle tint good for work all of these and i promise we didn't pay them to say this um, but you did send you, you did send this through. Now, how important is Instagram to you guys with your hundred thousand plus followers? I think it's it's 
you know, if I'm talking to brand owners, first of all, yes, it's really important because when you're sitting in front of buyers, one of the first things that they would do is go and check your Instagram account. Now they're looking at your TikTok account. So you need to have as many followers as possible. Beauty buyers are looking for you to drive customers into their door. They're looking for new types of customers that might not necessarily buy their products. So if, if you send them in, that's a new customer to them. For us, it's a community taking away like the whole business aspect of it. For us, it's a way that we can talk to our fans about newness, ideas, concept, get general feedback, uh, ask them their opinions on products, what we're thinking of doing next. Actually, we also have an email marketing list, which is like our what we call A plus fans. And so these are the people that can bear to have, you know, two emails a week from us. <laughs> and, um, you know, and again, you know, we're asking them, uh, giving them even more benefits, but also asking them greater questions and more detail. And I, I can't, uh, I think it's so important having a community because whatever happens, you have a base of fans who are your, you know, they are your, that you're, they're your advocates. They're out shouting about your brand building it for you and in terms of content marketing and, and strategy and again johnny i'm going to direct this one to you but 11 months ago almost to the day you guys decided to launch your first um tv advertising campaign went out on a number of channels specifically sky cbs and such like now was that quite a strategic decision to do that because it was bang in the middle of the pandemic everybody was sitting at home watching netflix and watching television did you see a huge uplift or was that just accidental genius uh, i'll definitely take that but, uh, <laughs> yeah, i mean we we actually do out-of-home advertising every year it's usually around christmas time uh, i'm a big fan of pushing hard at christmas putting a lot of our marketing budget into that time we would always do the london underground and obviously uh, as you say people were at home they weren't on the london un- underground so <laughs> it felt t- yeah. time to to do something on television so it was more a case of well we can't do this what can we do we promoted harder by spending i mean i think it was about 10 times what we would normally spend on the London Underground. And yes, uh, did it produce uh, results? I mean, again, there's no magic wand that says, you know, here's all the numbers in an Excel spreadsheet. But we definitely felt uh, good feelings from all our retailers. Uh, Our sales were very good last Christmas uh, across November and December. Uh, Christmas and the end of the year was good for us. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Our sponsors, Coronation Wealth Management, provide a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The owners of a dental practice turned to Coronation Wealth for help with their retirement planning and this is how Coronation Wealth helped them. We turned to Chris and the team at Coronation Wealth for help with planning our retirement. With Chris's experience and advice, we built a plan to achieve the level of income required to maintain our lifestyle. Coronation Wealth Management LLP is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services. More details of which are set out on the group's website www.sjp.co.uk forward slash products. Pauline, I'm going to quote you directly here, but you said to thrive global. You said you can be kind in business and still go far. Now, in a world that's becoming more and more cutthroat and more and more aggressive, specifically as we come out the back end of this pandemic, how can you make that work for you? Well, yeah, I just think it's all about, you know, your tone, you know, how how you approach people. I really believe you don't have to be a bully and a bitch 
you know, um, in business. <laughs> I think I've worked for both, <laughs> certainly in the past. And I don't believe that, you know, like a bitch or a bully gets any more results from their team than somebody that approaches them nicely, kindly, obviously still getting the work done with targets, but not having to have that real sort of hard nosed, you know, it's my way or the highway, even with buyers and and everything like that. And we even sort of launched in America as well in the middle of the um, 2020 pandemic, because we'd obviously we've been talking since 2019 um, and setting it all up. And then our, our launch date was April 2020. And again, even on those Zoom calls, like rather than going straight into like, right, what, what's your order? How much are you ordering? Are we going to do this? What, you know, are we still doing this? We're just always like, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, literally. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, this and that. And we really just always asked everybody, like, how are you? You know, how are you surviving? What are you doing? You know, do you need anything from us? How can we make your life easier or, you know, help you? And I really think having that more personable approach, again, as opposed to just going being all hard, you know, definitely, again, got got some great results. And we still launched in Ulta in the middle of the day, obviously online because all the stores were closed. So we launched online. And then when they did open their doors, our sales were so good that we actually graduated to become a permanent feature because in America, you kind of basically have like a six to 12 month trial to know if they're going to keep you on shelf. And because our sales were so good, even though the majority of the shops were closed for the majority of our probation period, they kept us and we're a permanent feature now. It's those little things that's, you know, how you talk to people, how you report to them, giving credit where credit's due and just, um, you know, just being kind. So in terms of uh, when you started, you manufactured it in the UK. Do you guys still manufacture it, uh, Pauline, in the UK currently? Yes. Yes. So sorry, we still manufacture it here, but we've got three warehouses now um, that we ship to. So we've got one in the Far East, one in Europe and one in America. But everything is still made here. Everything is still reproduced here. And then we just ship it out to our warehouses there. I think that whole, you know, go to China to produce your goods or, you know, uh, you know far Eastern Europe, I think that's, it's, you know, you really do need to speak to UK manufacturers and get pricing because mm. the, the other thing that you'll lose out now currently is shipping costs. So a 40-foot container 18 months ago would cost us £2,000 and now we'll be looking at £12,000. Yeah. So if you put that across all your products i think it's 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 not advantageous so um you know and also we should take some pride and and you know in our our country and try and produce what we can here because we are helping you know employment here so no i'm i'm all for manufacturing in the uk as and when as and when we can in terms of your business structurally what what does that look like so you've offshored to a certain extent in the us you've got people out there that are working uh in your business from a freelance or attempt to perm point of view in the uk you have full-time employees what does the company in the UK look like? Yeah, I don't mind covering that. So obviously this is me and Pauline, but it would put a, a director uh, level. But I mean, I really want to cover that. This uh, whole thing of us being like the owners and, you know, the, there's a team. We very much feel like, and then it's going to sound very American and cheesy, but we are a family. Uh, <laughs> it's something that's really, really important to us all. That uh, I, None of them are allowed to call me boss. If they try, I, I go I'm not very happy. We're colleagues. Uh, you yes. know, we work. Sir in- and madam. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 
you know, we're working uh, together uh, towards them. And we really do feel like we're on a journey with them. So, you know, obviously, Pauline and I, uh, you know, obviously make final decisions, although we do allow a lot of the team to do that. But, you know, we've got a customer services team. We have a sales department. We have a marketing team, which is made up of marketing and PR and social media. Uh, we have an accounts team. We have graphic designers. Uh, so it's a real mix. And I think like what I always tell people we specialize in is PR, marketing and sales. So uh, we obviously have Pauline and uh, another member of staff who are working on the MPD, but they're working with a contract manufacturer who have chemists, uh, who have people who are experts at this. And Johnny, just clarify what you meant by the MPD, just for the listeners. Yeah, uh, new product development. Fine. And, and that's, that's specifically, Pauline, that you're, you're working on, on that currently. You have worked on that really from day one then. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I've really sort of taken control of the actual sort of inner product, you know, everything from the packaging, the tube design, you know, what's going into it, the ingredients, getting all the certification and everything for it. And because we are continually bringing out new products, so our range isn't finished yet. Um, but again, because we've done it ourselves and we've always reinvested our money to bring it out, you know, eventually we do want to be a whole hair, bath, body and baby range um, as well. So there are always new products, you know, every year we're sort of bringing out two to three new launches um a year so i'm i'm looking after our existing uh product but i'm also working on the future as well so in terms of how the pandemic did impact you guys then because obviously the high street stores that you're in waitrose boots etc and johnny bowman's you can pick this one up how did the, the the buyer habits change did it all go online to amazon and to your website or did you see elements coming through the high street stores but again from their e-commerce sites yeah, I mean, we were very lucky that our business grew 100% in, in, in lockdown. Now, that sounds amazing, but we have been on that sort of upward trajectory for a couple of years now. But it's because our brand has had that moment of takeoff, which all brands uh, should experience. We will probably do something like a 30 to 35% increase this year. So it's starting to normalize. So what does that take you to turnover-wise? Well, we'll just be shy of 5 million this year. 5 million. How big's the team? So there is currently 13 employees we're looking to add uh, to. So we are extremely uh, streamlined. There is, you know, two or three people doing pick and pack every single day for us. You know, however many working days there are a year. We have people who work in our contract manufacturing plant who are working directly for us and obviously people that are, you know, putting together the product and uh, whatnot for us. Now, that's just in the UK. I We then have two agencies that we use. Uh, obviously, we're employing them. We have the, the three warehouses. So there are so many people that we use, but we prefer to use the expertise where we need it. The expertise in this office is sales, marketing, and coming up with the new products. And so it makes sense that we keep it you know, streamlined. And Johnny, it seems like the last 12, 18 months then is really when this business has started to become what it is today from a, a stability point of view, 5 million revenue, 100% growth. You seem to be on really good trajectory. Do you guys feel like you've kind of broken through a bit of a barrier over the last 12, 18 months to get to that next level of business? Yeah, I'd say so. I think the awareness has finally, you know, 
mm. you know, cracked, if you like, um, you know, people that we tend to go down the street, and this is not trying to big ourselves up, but, you know, if we're, if we're standing outside the school gates and a parent says to us, well, what is it that you do? And we tell them they know our brand, but are we even scratching the surface? No, because this is the UK. We're selling multiple levels in the UK, but this is one country uh, or countries. Um, you know, we haven't touched anything like we have in the US. We've just launched in China. That's a huge population. There's the rest of Europe. You know, we have our plans for the next five years and the turnover that we're, we're aiming at. It's We're just getting started. But like you said, it's had that boom moment that it's finally starting to move in the right direction mm. at the right volumes. And it's like when you go and buy a car and you see this damn car everywhere. I was walking around Waitrose yesterday and I saw your product literally everywhere. So it is, once once you've heard of you guys, you can't seem to get away. Now, in terms of... In terms <laughs> of the- <laughs> yeah, people do say that. Well, it's true. I mean, the branding is, is, is aggressive in terms of it stands out, which I think is a massive plus point for you guys. Now, five years, Johnny, you said that you've got these growth plans, you've got these, pl- uh, you know, scale plans. Five million now where do you want to be in five years time so we're aiming at 30 million uh, in the next five years uh, for multiple reasons a because we've got uh, new ranges that we're looking to bring out we've got collaborations that we're currently working on for 2023 uh, there is just a pure volume of countries that we'll be entering the uh, volume of increase that we should expect here in the, the uk Goal setting every year is so important in business. Otherwise, you're just working away and going nowhere. You need to have plans. You need to have goals. And one thing I admire about you guys, and now you have a little bit more headspace granted to give back to, to such like the Teenage Cancer Trust, etc. Now, Johnny, having run the marathon, we alluded to at the very top of the podcast, that was your charity of choice. But for every sale that you guys have made pretty much since day one, you've given a percentage back to to this charity and indeed to other charities. How important to businesses, be it startup or, you know, larger scale businesses, is having a CSR policy, but also giving back when you can? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that we were always really passionate about that, you know, as soon as we could, we wanted to be able to support, you know, people that just weren't in, you know, the same sort of position of us or didn't have the same you know, sort of starts in life that, you know, that we had. And from very early on, when we actually first launched our Shea Butter Farm, we partnered with a supplier that, um, that you know, bought the Shea Butter from from the supplier that supports the Ghanaian Women's Project um, to actually every tube of Shea Butter from the very first tube we ever made actually supports the Ghanaian Women's Project. And then we did like little offerings on the side as well. Like there were um, little charities that came to us, little local charities that came to us, you know, asking for donations of product as well. And in um, 2019, we actually partnered with Crisis as well. They were probably like our first major campaign that we did, again, to help end homelessness here in the UK. Because again, you know, for men or woman just the thought of losing everything and not having you know over a roof over your head to sleep you know sort of really you know touched me and johnny we really wanted to try and help them as much as we could so they were the first charity partner that we donated a a percentage of our sales and then this year we chose um teenage cancer trust and what we wanted to do with them as well because again our product um benefits um any cancer patients say going through chemo because chemo like destroys your skin and you know dries out your skin and you just get so many sore things from it then we were actually told because um i actually had two friends that went through 
breast cancer. And they were like, oh, my God, your product actually really works. And they were giving it out to other patients and friends of theirs on the wards. And so we kind of got an inkling that actually this would benefit that, you know, that could those kind of um, people as well. So that was another deciding factor then why we went with the Teenage Cancer Trust. And then we actually wanted to make a product um, specifically for them. So we created the Shimmer Balm, you know, which is a completely natural shimmer balm, you know, that's just got a light pearlescent to it. So it's not got glitter. It's not got anything that's going to harm them. But again, it's not only going to make their skin feel better and soothe it, but it's also just going to make them look, you know, and feel that little bit nicer by, you know, just giving that little bit of sparkle, um, which now a percentage of every sale of that goes towards Save the Children um, in America as well, which again is a great um, organisation that that looks after children from all walks of life and from sort of less you know, affluent lives as well to really help them, educate them, feed them, clothe them and everything like that. So again, it's, it's a really great charity to be part of. In terms of over the last eight years, going to you, Pauline, has there ever been a point where you've thought about throwing the towel in? <laughs> no. Well, no, I mean, to to be fair, the the pandemic was really scary. That first lockdown um was def was definitely scary. Um one especially because us as a brand, you know, we had more retail doors. We were definitely, you know, probably seventy percent of our sales were in bricks and mortar and maybe thirty percent were in online. And yes, that did shift, but a lip balm is not uh, a necessity. Do you know what I mean? It's very much like what we'd call like a pickup product. You know, so if you're in the queue and you sort of see us on till point, like, oh yeah, I've got dry lips. Let's go and do it. But it's not necessarily something you might go online and search for, like this particular pair of trainers you want, or you know, say this particular makeup or this mascara that everyone's talking about. You know, um, it was very much like so. So that was really worrying. Also, then, um, like I said. Johnny's still having his um, business as well. So me trying to do that, America on the horizon. I mean, we were literally almost like America's either going to make us or break us. <laughs> you know, they wanted a lot of stock. They weren't in lockdown as soon as we were. Um, and they were stocking all their stores. You know, that's what their like forecasts were. And that's what their initial opening order was. And everything like that. So, and and then obviously they closed. They all closed um, just the month that we were meant to launch um, in April. So, you know that was. And then again, sort of going out to Timor um, now as well. Um, we've just put on there again. We're like that's either gonna sort of make us not necessarily break us or, or be an expensive um, mistake. So yeah, we've, you know, I think the pandemic was definitely the first one that I, I really didn't know how we're going to make it or not. And then we did, thankfully. And so I think by the second lockdown, we were a little bit more comfortable with that over Christmas. The team had worked from home. They knew what to do. And so we could continue that on. The thing that's been interesting is, uh, you know, within a couple of years of being launched, somebody wanted to purchase our business or part of the business and uh, we were quite interested and then we turned it down they in fact copied us which their, their brand is no longer around i don't believe uh, and so what i suppose yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's yeah, a little bit of a win there for a you know david not goliath i think that's what we probably get more of now is just the the interest in you know would you sell so it's not so much throwing the towel in but would you would you sell and I think because of the trajectory that I've mentioned, the turnover growth, the white areas, we're still and we're just really enjoying the journey. Yeah. That, you know, we've easily got 
10 years uh, of, of continuing to do this uh, at this rate. Mentally, what did you do to be able to motivate yourself to get to this point? I looked at my kids in my house and just thought, I kind of want to keep this roof above my head. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely um, the ha- having the family, you know, having our house. I mean, again, we, you know, we don't live in a ma- mansion, but, you know, we have a garden. We're so grateful for the garden. You know, we, we managed to get our dog, Luna, um, just before lockdown, you know, which um, which was a miracle because we just, you know, we just didn't expect us to go to go into that lockdown. So definitely my kids and my house, um, you know, and the lifestyle that me and Johnny had created, because, again, you know, working for ourselves, you know, again, it's, it does give you that element of freedom you yeah. know, that, you know, if you do like, cause I still do the school run. And again, that was something that we were talking about with, you know, putting Jasmine into daycare, you know, I really didn't want, you know, to have to get a nanny or childcare, you know, rely on that so that we're always at work and we're missing out on this. So, you know, we go to the school plays, you know, when they stand, we go to the sports days, you know, we do that. We've got three other working mums in the team and they're allowed to do that. You know, we work out things over school holidays as well. They do their school, you know, pickups, you know, we're very flexible with that. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely looking at my kids, looking at my house and and wanting to keep this lifestyle, you know, alive um, and not. And that's why, yeah, I didn't want to pack it in, but I was scared that we might have lost everything. But in terms of how important it is to have a business partner or a shoulder to cry on, regardless of it's your husband or your wife, could you have done this alone, a business per se? Uh, well, of course, because many people have. We have WhatsApp groups with other business owners who are in similar businesses to us. So they may be in beauty that they have to do tanning or sheet masks or beauty electrical And the reason why we have these meetings and chats is because we'll have had a chat with maybe somebody to do in beauty business and we'll feel like it's not right. Now, luckily, me and Pauline have each other, but some of them don't. But it's also nice just to have that sounding board to be able to say, hey, we've seen this or we've been told this. It doesn't feel right. Does it sound right to you? And funnily enough, that person has had the same conversation with the same maybe uh, entity or people that we're talking to and we'll say, oh, no, that doesn't seem right. And so it's it's a great sounding board to support each other where we need hints and tips about what is working Brexit. in social media, <laughs> what's working in Brexit, shipping, yeah. buying, yeah. filling products. I mean, anything. So, uh, again, I mean, I, I know that you've mentioned there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and people that are up and coming in business listening to this. Get yourself business people that are doing the same thing or contact us because uh, I love talking to people, Pauline the same, mm. because that's the one thing that I was always really sad about in PR is it was so competitive and cutthroat because no, obviously everybody was stealing each other's clients. And I really despise that. But what I like about this business, we're all there to help each other because, mm. you know, we're all trying to create great products, you know, made in the UK that uh, consumers love and buy into. Mm. Why can't we help each other? So, again, going back to Pauline's being kind. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to your point of saying that, that maybe the PR world is cutthroat and this world is slightly, slightly different and you're enjoying it more because of that. If you look at the size of the brands that are in this market that you do compete with, they're massive. How do you outmaneuver those kind of companies? 
Well, I mean, it's funny to say So, I mean, I would say when you get to the conglomerate stage, maybe it is a bit more cutthroat. But when we're in businesses like ours, small to medium-sized beauty businesses that are run by individuals or maybe they're in a small umbrella group, uh, you know, there's there's just no need uh, to, to be so tough. Mm. Uh, but actually, uh, how do we out... Well, I think the answers in the question, we outmaneuver uh, them because they're so big and it takes them so long to make a decision. By the time they've got round to maybe looking at a concept, we've done it and gone on to the next thing. I've made that sound really easy. Yeah. Morning's MBT <laughs> takes a lot longer. Than, than well, that. no, no, that's why it's a full-time job. Yes. <laughs> no, that, that's how I sell. I, you know, there's concepts, we go in, we sell it, and I say, Pauline, you need to make this. And she, ma- and she makes it happen. And Pauline, to, to making those things happen, just like a magician, like a wizard, um, what would be one thing that, if you, you know, if you had to relive your life, you had to start Dr. Paul Paul all over again and go into business, what would you tell a younger Pauline? Don't marry Johnny. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, you make it sound terrible. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I would probably say to myself, don't believe everything that you hear. Um, we have had some um, inflamed promises from some inflamed buyers. I was very excited. I rushed ahead. I ordered our first 100,000 units because this retailer was going to take 50,000 of each. I'm like, well, can I have the PO? They're like, yeah, 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 we'll get it to you anyway. They cancelled the order because they never actually sent us the official PO. So and this was at a time when that... when Yeah, really we, 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 were, we were probably ordering about 20,000 units at a time. Um, so we ordered 100, um, and it was a skew that we hadn't even launched yet. They wanted exclusivity. They were going to launch it. They were going to sell, you know, loads of it. Um, but until you actually get that PO or until you actually get that first order, nothing is guaranteed until you actually get that piece of paper. And then to be fair, even when we got that piece of paper in the pandemic, people just went, no, nah, we're not delivering. We're not accepting deliveries. We're shutting our doors. And, you know, so even in that... Yeah, I would probably say just um, don't believe everything you hear the first time and really do your research and really don't push the button until you're absolutely as sure as you can be without a pandemic. That's what I would say. And in terms of, I'm going to go to you for this one, Pauline, what does success look like, look like for both of you, for, for you know, husband and wife, Dr. Paul, Paul, the entity that is, what does success look like? Success for me um, just just looks like being happy. You know, um, I know the expression is happy wife, happy life, but I think happy husband is also happy life. Yeah, it's to rhyme with that. I think, well, no, I think happy, happy kids is definitely, you know, a happy life. You know, if they could do the extracurriculars that they want, like Jackson really loves football, Jasmine's into drama, you know, if we've got the freedom to still take them to those other things, you know, and, and help them with that. I think a happy team is definitely a happy life because there's nothing harder than trying to get people to work for you that don't or say that hate you in the direction that we're going yeah you know and that's and i think that everybody here because again uh, you know a lot of our team have been here from the start so they've seen us grow from like when we had like two employees to three employees to now have you know the 14 that we have in the team and even with our two newest they're like oh you know we've seen you before you know we've done this you know and they hear from the rest of the team how they've been at the start and it's like, and you're still one of 14, you know, one day maybe maybe when we've got a hundred staff, you could still be, you were still there, say from, from the start. So I definitely think having 
a happy team and having people happy with their workplace and happy kids with their life is what makes me feel like I'm I'm successful. Pauline, in terms of how we keep in touch with you guys, reach out to Johnny, reach out to yourself, but also buy your products. Where can I go? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're in the supermarkets, yeah, Sainsbury's and Waitrose, um, we're available there. Um, we're also available in Superdrug and Boots. And again, if you're in more of the fashion retailers as well, we're in New Look and Oliver Bonus as well. Um, or urban if you're, Outfitters. Yeah, and Urban Outfitters, that's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're shopping online, then check out Look Fantastic or Beauty Bay or, or our own websites. Um, if you do want to get in contact with me or Johnny, um, you can definitely get in contact with myself on my email address, which, which is simply Pauline at Dr. Paul Paul. I'm also um, on Instagram as uh, Mrs. Dr. Paul Paul. Um, <laughs> and um, Johnny's chosen platform that he loves is LinkedIn. He does like loads of information um, and he's on there every day. He absolutely loves LinkedIn. So Check him out. Oh, yeah, find him on LinkedIn, Johnny Patterson. Brilliant, guys. Really, really appreciate your time. It's been awesome, and hopefully we'll keep in touch. Speak to you guys soon. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for your time. Thank you for the time. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Pauline. Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information, check out the description where you can find exclusive video snippets on my YouTube channel, as well as contact details and links. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support as always by subscribing. If you or someone you know should be on the show, please email me via oliver at pinpoint-media.co.uk and I promise I'll get back to you. Remember, there's never a good time to start a business, but in business, you should always have a good time. Take care. Success in the Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. This podcast is supported by our media partner, Blocks and PR, who represent some of the most powerful brands within the luxury, lifestyle, and fashion sector. Go and check them out at blocksandpr.com.